Good morning. How are you? Okay, well, I'll tell you why. It is such an honor to be here because genuinely, um, I mean, we have been friends for over 20 years. Um, both Kristen and with John has been over 20 years. Um, but starting back to flourish eight years ago, uh, there's been that ongoing building of continuing to build relationship. And there's no one's uh, house I love to come to more, quite honestly, than John and Kristen's, um, you folks, um, because I consider you family. And I love you very much. Um, and I do say, go sign up for that re- at that conference in October. We'll have an awesome time. Um, but I tell you what, I'm going to jump right back in because we know Sunday morning's quick. And you girls know that I can talk too long. So we're going to go. We're going to get there because there is lunch following, correct? Okay, so we're going to go there. Um, if you weren't here this weekend on Friday night, we hit a topic and girls say it with me. Shut the back door. Oh, that was so good. Oh, so good. Oh, so good. Okay, well, we are going to kind of continue on that same thing. So now that you've heard the women do it, I need everybody in the house to jump in. Okay, ready? One, two, three. Shut the back door. Okay, so that's where we're heading. To give you just a quick snippet uh, to bring you up to speed as to where that even comes from, um, I was going through uh, a surgery, pain, all those kind of things that it was never ending, it seemed. And the Lord spoke to me uh, when, I believe it was morning, I don't even remember because all of that's fog. Um, but he spoke to me and he brought out that scripture in Exodus and one that I've read a million times and probably you've either read it or you've heard it a million times. And that's the crossing of the Red Sea. You know, and I, like I said, I preached it. Um, I preached here, the pack your tambourine, you know, all those kind of things. I've been in that. But the thing that stuck out to me this time that I don't believe ever stuck out to me before was when they got to the other side of the Red Sea and all the children of Israel got through and Pharaoh's army was fine, it was following and they were following in a rage to get these people back and said that the Lord told Moses, he said, turn, extend your hand and shut the waters. When Moses did that, the waters came back and it says that not one of the Egyptian army made it through the Red Sea. Wow. And what the Holy Spirit told me in that moment was, Kim, you got to shut the back door because he knows he's got to talk to me a little different to get, get my attention to make it stick. This is real blonde. It's even blonder, actually, kind of. Um, I don't know where that black came from. It's all good. But here's the deal is that we talked about that fact that we've got to shut the back door of the enemy coming into our miracles, into our breakthroughs, and into our places. There's a, a responsibility we have then to turn around and say, I shut the back door. Because if Moses had not been um, obedient, do you realize what would have happened? That army would have came right through and continued to antagonize them to the promised land. Even if Moses had been slow to obey, the strongest of Pharaoh's army would have gotten through. And as we sit here, the girls know that that I'm pretty straight up and I'm just honest and it's where it is and it's where we live, is there's been many times that I have not shut the back door or I've been slow to shut the back door. And that has cost me energy and all of those kinds of things that the Lord never intended for me to have to to put out there and to, to go through situations. So we're going to kind of continue that this morning, um, and we're going to kind of ride on that wave a little bit, but we're going to talk differently. We're going to talk about Elisha. I love to talk about Elisha about as much as I love to talk about Elijah. 
because Elisha got the double portion of Elijah. Um, but we're going to go through, and keeping that mindset, there's a couple of more places that the word says to shut the door behind you or to shut the back door. And so we're going to kind of hit those. You guys ready to go with me? Yeah. I talk a little fast, so you're going to have to rock and roll with me, okay? Are you good with that? We slept enough, right? Although we lost an hour, that's just kind of wrong. That's kind of way wrong. Okay, but it's okay. And see, if you should love me a lot, because there's one clock that says 1102. There's another one that says 1003. <laughs> I like 1003, <laughs> but we won't go there. I'll, I'll mind the one I'm supposed to. But if you will turn in your Bibles to 2 Kings chapter 4, and I'm actually going to read a couple of stories through with you, and then one I'll just kind of go through because we need the cleft notes. It's kind of long if I were to read it, okay? So 2 Kings chapter 4, this Elijah helps the poor widow. It says, one day, the widow of a member of the group of the prophets came to Elisha and cried out, my husband who served you is dead, and you know how he feared the Lord. But now a creditor has come threatening to take my two sons as slaves. What can I do to help you, Elisha asked. Tell me, what do you have in the house? Nothing at all except a flask of olive oil, she replied. And Elisha said, borrow as many empty jars as you can from the friends, from your friends and neighbors. Then go into the house with your sons and shut the door behind you. Say it with me. Shut the back door. Okay, it says, pour olive oil from the flask into the jars, setting each aside when it is filled. So she did as she was told. Her sons kept bringing jars to her and she filled one after another. Soon every container was full to the brim. Bring me other jars, she told one of the sons. There are no more, he told her. And then the olive oil stopped flowing. Verse 7. Then she told the man of God who had happened, uh, what had happened, and he said to her, Now sell the olive oil and pay your debts, and you and your sons can live on what is left. So when that came up as, as another shut the back door moment, I just looked through this and, and he's dealing with the poorest of the poor at that point. She just has what she needs for that day left. And, and Elijah asked her, says, what, what do you need? What, what is it? Where are you at? What do you need? And in her poverty, she says, I'm out. After this, my sons, they go, they go into slavery. And here's what Elisha says to her. He goes, now, now woman, take and go in there and shut the door behind you. You know why I think he says shut the door behind you? Because she had lived in a poverty mentality. She had lived in not enough since her husband had, had been gone. She had lived in that. And so when she went into that room, he told her, he says, go in there, shut the door behind you, and then just tell them to bring jars. And she's thinking, why? Why keep bringing jars if I have a drop or two, it appears, of olive oil? See, what she didn't know is that flask that had a drop of, or two of olive oil in it, as she would pour, it would fill multiple jars to the brim, the word says, to the brim. Two things I get out of that is shutting the back door to the I'm not enough, I don't have enough, we don't know enough, all those kinds of things that the enemy barks. I had so many women afterwards and some men afterwards come up and say, you have no idea how timely that is. The enemy is just beating me up. And see, what we got to do is if we want our miracle, we're going to have to shut that back door and quit listening to, to whether it's ourselves, it's the enemy, the people around us. And we've got to surround ourselves with people who will bring the jars. 
which you go back to that word that says, do not forsake the assembling of yourselves together. There's a reason for that. That's not just legalism that you need to come to church. That's life that you need to come to church. Because <laughs> when we come to church and we bring our vessels, they get filled to the brim. And when you're the one with a lack of oil, you'll get, they'll give you yours. There will be someday that you'll give yours to someone because he will supply your need. You know, oh, we could stay here, but I'm moving. I'm moving, okay? So two points there. Shut the door on mentality of not enough. And number two is get with the body. Because in the body of Christ, there is life, there is power, and there is plenty. Okay? So then we're going to keep reading here, and we're going to cut somewhat of an opposite scenario. Okay? And here, Elisha is going to the woman, uh, the Shunammite woman. If you've heard about her, she's a wealthy woman. She's got it all, it would appear. And says that she made a room in her home for Elisha and Gehazi. So that when they were out preaching, they could come by and have a place to stay. So the epitome of hospitality. Okay? So she comes in and she tells them, hey, come stay with us. You know, we'll have a bed and a dresser. It goes into saying it's furnished and it's ready for you. And he comes in. He's so grateful that she is taking care of him and Gehazi. And she looks at him, he goes, what can I give you? What, what can I do for you? That question comes up again. What can I do for you? This one, in comparison, says, nothing. My family takes great care of me. I don't need anything. Wow. Wouldn't that be nice? Anybody in the house wish you could say that? Well, then he goes back, and he's talking to Gehazi, and he sends Gehazi again. He goes, go, go ask her what it is. And, and she had said nothing. And then he says, go tell her that a year from now, she will have a son. And the response was, when Gehazi told her that, she goes to him and she says, in my verbiage, don't play with me. You, you, don't, don't do that. Don't get my hope arising in something that apparently she had got comfortable with her lack. She'd gotten that place where apparently she wanted the child, but when to ask, what can I do for you from the prophet, she doesn't even bring that up. So that tells me that there was a level of acceptance to not having what her heart's desire was in the Lord. And it's pretty audacious of Elisha to not only say, I'm going to come back here and I'm going to see you and you're going to have a child, but you're going to have a son. So then they come back, you see the time go, and, and he comes back in. And in a year, it says that he came back, and there was this woman with her son. Came true. Wow. Okay, well, if we keep following it, and this again, you know, I don't know if it's because of this blondness, but sometimes the ends of the stories I don't get. I think I have ADHD and I get lost. And again, I know I've read it. Scott Hagen came and ministered at our church. He's the president of North Central. And he brought us into this last passage as we go in to, um, as we keep reading here. And it says that then upon uh, some time out after the, the son had grown up a bit, said that he had gone out to work with his daddy and he had a headache and he fell to the ground. Well, if you keep reading, it says that they took the son back to his mama, and it says that the son laid with his, his head in her lap. And you moms are right there. As your son's not feeling well, he's got his head in your lap, and you're, you're either massaging his back or you're you know, playing with his hair or you're praying over him or those kinds of things because he is sick and has been brought to you. And it says that about noon, that son died. Now, I've read this a million times. The son died, and he, and he was gone. And so the, the, what does, the Shunammite, what does um, the Shunammite woman do? Since she picks up her son, 
and takes him upstairs and lays him on the prophet's bed. Are you guys picturing this with me? You know, I've got her going up the steps. He's hanging, his legs are hanging over, you know. And she lays him on his bed and says that she shut the door behind her. Say it with me. Shut the back door. That takes on a little bit of a new level of emotion for me at that point. What's she shutting the back door on? A dream that has died on her. A doubt. Panic. All of those kinds of things. She's shutting that door, and she goes down the steps, and it says that her husband says, you know, she says, I'm going to the prophet. And he says, why? why? Why are you? It's not a festival. It's nothing special. And she says, it'll be okay. All is good. And she takes off, and she goes to wherever the, the prophet is, and Gehazi is there and meets her. And, and he says, what do you need? What do you want? And she goes, it's okay. Everything's good. I need to talk to the prophet. She gets to the prophet, and there is where she breaks down. And she tells him, my son has died. And he says, and again, my verbiage, no, no, no. (laughs) This isn't going to happen. And what does he do? He sends Gehazi, and he sends him with the woman back to her house. Okay, and it says there that Gehazi goes in and your anticipation's growing. You know, the drums are like beating in the background of of the story, you know, and you're going there and he's going up the steps and it's pounding and he goes in and he's got his staff. Okay, and when he gets his staff and he lays it on the head of the dead child, nothing happens, nothing. And all it says is that then he returned to Elisha. Can you imagine shutting the door that time? for that mama, where nothing happened. So he goes back and he tells Elisha, nothing happened. You know, the, the child is dead. And Elisha says, I'm going. I'm going to her house. And Elisha goes to her house. And this is one of the crazier stories for me that I think is just kind of wild. Because it says, Elisha goes into the house. And when he goes into the house and he goes upstairs and he's in the room with the, the little boy, says he lays himself down face to face, hand to hand, feet to feet. Strange. Right? Has the Lord ever asked you to do something strange? We got to obey. We got to be quick to obey. And so, so that happens. And he feels warmth come back to the child's body. So he gets up, and the word actually says that he paced in the room. He went back and forth across the room. He's pacing in the room. The body is warm, but the body is not up and, and moving. And so you know what he does? He goes back and he does it again. He lays face to face, hand to hand, foot to foot. And he lays again. This time, the child coughs seven times. And life comes back to the child. And Elisha is at that point able to take the son back to his mama. And see, when we see that scripture, when that thing is, can you imagine the, the doubt that came in those times, but the, just the, the joy that comes when Elisha comes down with your son and he's alive. I'm here to tell you, church, this morning, we serve a miracle-working God. And people are trying to reduce him to a religious thing. And my God, my Jesus, the power of the Holy Spirit is not a religious thing. The God I serve brings the dead back to life. He puts to the brim the oil when there's only a couple of drops. We've got to be reminded that that's the God that we serve. And I feel I'm here to remind you of that, ALC. When you paint this town red and you hand a woman a a red rose, you have that laced in prayer. And you know what? I believe that that could be like the cloth that went with Paul that brought healing. (laughs) 
You hand that, and it can be healing to those emotions. It can be healing to that body. It can be the thing where the church has hurt them. They're not interested. Because if you've gone to church, you've been with people, you've got hurt. You know, people tell me that. I'm like, well, join the crowd. Humans walked in. Okay? So the deal is that. We don't let, we shut the back door to that garbage. We shut the back door to that kind of thing because we serve a miracle-working God. The enemy has come to still kill and destroy, but Jesus came for what? To give life and to give it more abundantly. Okay, I'm, I'm preaching. We go, go, keep moving. Okay, now, shoo with me to chapter 8 of 2 Kings. And I spoke early. Actually, this is the part that um, Scott Hagen really brought to life for me. Okay, we're still talking about the Shunammite woman, so we're staying with her. Okay, and I'm going to read to you about six verses in this story. It says here, Elijah, I keep wanting to say Jah, Elisha, had, um, had told the woman whose son he had brought back to life, take your family and move to some other place. For the Lord has called a famine on Israel that will last for seven years. So the woman did as the man of God instructed. She took her family and settled in the land of the Philistines for seven years. After the famine ended, she returned to the land of the Philistines, and she went to see the king about getting back her house and land. As she came in, the king was talking to Gehazi, the servant of the man of God. The king had just said, just said, tell me some stories about the great things Elisha has done. And Gehazi was telling the king about the time Elisha had brought a boy back to life. I get this. At that very moment, the mother of the boy walked in to make her appeal to the king about her house and land. Look, my lord, the king, Gehazi exclaimed, here is the woman now, and this is her son, the one Elisha brought back to life. Verse 6, is this true? The king asks her, and she told him the story. So he directed one of his officials to see everything she had lost would be restored to her. But get this, including the value of any crops that had been harvested during her absence. (laughs) Does that not just rise something up in you? That when we've gone through the famine, their famine, she's seven years of famine that she had lived through. This rich woman now is displaced to some other place And she's coming back and she's asking to get her house and her land back. Not only did she walk in at the exact moment, seven years later, Gehazi is in talking to the king. And then she gets to tell her story to him. Don't tell me we don't serve an on-time God. But I'm going to bet you all for seven years she had been looking for that. Do you know what I mean? So you might be in the middle of your four year, you know, in your seven, and you're like, why is it so desolate out here? You gotta hold on. You gotta hold on. Because the finish line is coming, and God the Father will come alongside you and He will walk you through to your end. But see what I love is that her willingness to go before the king and, and to ask, not only did she get her house and her fields back, she got the yield of seven years of not being there. So the yield of those crops that were harvested, she didn't just get her stuff back, she got the yield of her stuff when she wasn't even there to cultivate it. See, that's our God. Just like when they were filling up the jars and it was to the brim, 
when they only had a couple of drops. He, he goes there. He gets there. It seems in the last moment for us, but he has a timing. So this morning, I, I come, and, and as I'm getting on a plane here in a few hours within that, um, my heart is this, ALC. God's got great things for this church. Pastor, he's got great things for you, for your family. He's got great things. We sometimes have to weather some really tough stuff to get to our great things. We cannot get weary in well-doing, though we do because we're human. So see, there's where comes in this God who is more than enough. And I'm telling you, I'm believing that I'm here this weekend to say there's some people in this house that's been a long draw. Okay, and you're, you're looking at that long draw, and I'm telling you people, it's coming. Get into him. There's some of you that have just lost, oh, because you face some really tough stuff. It's not because you're not spiritual. It's not because you're not called to the, the Great Commission. It's not those things. It's because we live a real life. Do you know what I mean? So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just brush that off of you right now. Okay, think, but here's what I think he's come to, for me to come to say, is he's wanting to give it back to you, but not just your field. He wants to give you the yield. He's here to heal that brokenhearted. He's here to give hope where depression has set in. He's here to renew the vision that you've laid to the side and got okay with the fact that it never got fulfilled like the sun. That's what he's here for this morning. If you're here this morning and, and you've been running the race, see, so you can say this to, to houses like this because this is in no way, shape, or form a kind of sermon. No, it's quite the opposite. It's that you guys are here. You're doing it. You're pressing in. You're pressing forward. You're doing all those things. And the God of your Father says, you know what? I'll come alongside you. I don't leave you out there on that racetrack by yourself, hobbling because of pain or disappointment or any of those things. I just don't do that. In fact, I sent my son to die on a cross for you and to come and, and then to release the Holy Spirit to come and be that literal paraclete that walks that race with you, takes you to the finish line, and you cross victoriously. 65,000 people to their feet. Come on. At the crossing. So here's what we're going to do, and we're going to do this quick, okay? A quick obedience, as we've been talking about this morning. But here's what I'm saying. If you're here this morning, you're saying, Kim, you know what? This speaks to me. This speaks, and it can be in a million different ways that it speaks to you. But you're saying, this speaks to me. I want you to wave at me. Yeah. Isn't that fun? Because you know what this means? This means we're in a crowd that's doing something. We're in a crowd that's making the race. We're in a crowd that's saying, I'm going, and I'll be dogged if I get stopped. But the enemy of my, enemy of my soul that has come to steal, kill, and destroy. Uh-uh. I draw the bloodline, and I call it forward, and come on, God, let's do this. And let's not just do the normal. Let's do the extraordinary, because this fragile clay jar... Corinthians chapter 4, verse is, it's my thing. This fragile clay jar houses the very presence of God that raised Jesus from the dead. And it ain't about this girl. It's all about him. It's not about you. It's all about him. So that when you hand that rose or whatever you do, when your hand extends to someone, there's a power that goes with it. You are attractive when you're filled with the Holy Spirit because you got hope. You got strength when you shouldn't have it. You've got inspiration when it's been a long trek of seven years. So what I'm going to do is we've got a song ready that we're going to go into. 
But I just think, and you girls know this, I think there's a power to a move. So if you're here this morning, you're saying, legit, I'm like way there, and I just need to make a move saying, okay, God, I am moving for I am comfortable, and I'm going to come up around this altar. And we're going to do it quick. It's not going to be long and drawn out. But you're just saying, I'm making a move. We're going to open that up. If not, just make a little step over. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Just, just, just make a step saying, okay, God, this is, this is what we're doing. And we're going to sing this song, and we're going to go out of here, the victors that you were brought here to be. Can I hear an amen? Can I hear a bigger amen in the house?